we're midway through 2020. However, it seems as if the year never even truly caught steam. During this pandemic, our cocoon of perfectly crafted schedules, routines and plans has given way to uncertainties and insecurities, although not without a sprinkling of hope and this desire to make lemonade. Through this series, we'll take you on a journey through the hearts and the minds of people around the world and their unique experiences of living in a lockdown planet. I'm your presenter, Shagun Trisal, and this is Letters from the Lockdown. In this episode, we're going to hear from a freelancer who's been living out of a suitcase for the last four months. An Indian origin techie in Texas shares how he's been embracing the lockdown rather well. And our featured guest, Moses Call, talks to us about his feelings, privileges, and what he'd like to preserve amidst this chaos and clutter. Finally, stick around for today's featured music. Our first letter of the episode is from Furkan Khan. Furkan is a freelance journalist and photographer based out of Delhi. She also runs an independent initiative called Karva, which aims to establish libraries in underserved schools and create interactive spaces for children. She has been locked in with a friend in Bengaluru. I'm a journalist and I'd been watching the news related to COVID-19 since its outbreak in Wuhan, China in November 2019. Since I'd been following the news closely, the thought that we might enter a lockdown soon was constantly in the back of my mind. However, as much as I expected it to be implemented in India in January, it wasn't. I was on a vacation in far northern India in February when I was alarmed to see travelers from China. As I freaked out in the middle of nowhere, everyone kept asking me to take a chill pill and not worry about COVID. It would never reach India. China will control it. Between all this, I was also in the middle of changing jobs, life choices, and the direction that my life was taking. And so I was flying around a lot. A week before the lockdown, I took a flight to Bangalore, down south, to visit a friend for a few days. This came at a time when the communal tensions were high in Delhi, where I have been living, so I rushed to take that flight. Well, not being burnt at a pyre is a passion I would rather follow. By this time, COVID had not just arrived in India, it had very well made itself at home. While my friends insisted that we take trips and go out, I, well, was panicking again. Part of me was even mad that the cases had reached the number that they had back then. It was all a little too late, a little too less, according to me. When the lockdown was announced, I knew that what was supposed to be a five-day trip would turn into a stay for a few months. As a person who abhors not sticking to plans, I was really thrown a yorker by life. It almost seemed that my life, which was already up in the air until now, was now suspended in a universe which had itself turned turtle. I wasn't left with many fixed plans and schedules. I was living in a house I barely knew, with flatmates I had never expected to spend as much time with, in a city I didn't know much about doing, well, doing nothing. As months rolled by, I was faced with making peace with the fact that I was not home. I was not even close to home. I started dealing with anxiety, insecurity and helplessness, which were taking over me. It did not help that two of my family members were medical professionals 
living alone in far-off places working with patients of COVID-19. But as we now enter the fourth month of this lockdown, it really has seeped in how enormous the world is. That this just might be one of those momentous times in history from where mankind takes an unknown, unforeseen leap to a future we had not even dreamt about. And how I would not love to see myself back when I think of these times as a bunch of nerves. A pandemic really sets your priorities right and gets rid of all that is fluff in life, revealing to you what you treasure most. And when it really is the possible end of the world, it actually tells you that it is not the end of the world if things don't go your way. This letter was read by Shinaz Merchant. A pandemic really does set our priorities right. Haven't a lot of us discarded what we don't need in this pandemic to make more room for what we already have and what's closest to us? Our family, our friends, a newfound hobby, old photographs from our archives, and even a new passion project. This period has also taught us that even the most meticulously laid out plans don't always work out. Well, thanks to that, at least HR's favorite question of where do you see yourself five years from now has become irrelevant. But wearing a mask has become pertinent. Speaking of wearing masks, Mark Austin, another freelance journalist who's written to us from Tokyo, got the stink eye from a local on his way to work a few months ago. This was at a time when Japan was doing fairly well in controlling the spread of the virus, and most of the confirmed cases had already recovered. Mark was riding the Tokyo Metro, which wasn't too crowded anyway, and he was sitting down opposite a 40-something-year-old Japanese lady who, like everyone else in the well-ventilated carriage, except for Mark, was wearing a sanitary mask. Glancing at him, her eyes widened comically in what he took to be mock horror. She stood up and walked briskly to the end of the carriage, from where she eyed Mark balefully. Well, stepping out without a mask in 2020 has all the makings of a horror story. Moving from the far east of the world to the far west, our next letter is from Satindra. Satindra is a very regular Delhi Noida boy who did what many Indian kids do and became an engineer. Like so many of those Indian kids, he likes football, travelling, reading and cooking. The last is a corona speciality, he says. Satindra is locked in, alone, in Dallas, Texas. I'm not trying to brag, but I think I'm doing great in this lockdown. Even though I'm someone who thrives on social energy and enjoys a large circle of friends, being by myself for almost three months has been easier than I thought it would be. Now, it's not that I've been in isolation and living like a monk, but I haven't seen the people I love in person or even touch another human being this entire period. The only physical contact that I've had is when my dentist was putting a crown in my mouth. But I don't think that counts as meaningful contact. Because if it did, it would be weird and I'd have to find a new dentist and or a therapist. In many ways, I've been preparing for this for a while now. I moved to a new country in 2017 and since then, it's always been a struggle to make new friends. While I was in grad school, I spent one very cold winter break locked up in my apartment alone, which felt kind of similar to what the entire world is doing right now. So let's say I've had practice. So... I'm going to share my tips on what works for me in the hope that maybe it helps someone out there too. Firstly, always have an idea of what you're going to do tomorrow. 
Like for me, it's something along the lines of I am going to cook X tomorrow and finish around three episodes of Y. We consider planning to be for things that are productive, but using that to just plan a day of doing nothing is way better. It saves you from decision fatigue. And um, instead of browsing through Netflix, thinking about what to watch now, I make this decision earlier at a time when that decision does not have any immediate consequences and thus puts less pressure on keeping myself entertained. Second, don't expect people to contact you. If you feel like talking to someone, just text them and work out a time that is convenient for both of you. Third, take some time out of your life to embrace the moment and list out what you're grateful for. For me, when I'm watching a really funny movie and have a great laugh, I always try to take in a moment and appreciate it for bringing me pure joy. I make a mental or even a physical note of these moments and see what made this possible in my life. For example, when I'm watching a movie, I look at the TV that I own and I'm grateful to be in a position to have the time and the money to afford the luxury of watching TV. It's not much, but I acknowledge that I may not have had this too if things hadn't worked out the way that they did. So being grateful has definitely made me happier in life. As someone who is trying to produce my own happiness, these three methods have had a huge impact. Not everything in life has to be about that next big thing that you're doing. Sometimes it's about the little things like what my next order from Chick-fil-A is going to look like. This letter was read by Nigel Rajaratnam. The last four months have come with its own ups and downs for all of us. There have been days when we're feeling low and dull, we don't feel like doing anything or even talking to our friends. And then there are days where up and about, motivated to keep ourselves engaged or find something fun to do to keep ourselves happy. Nikunjiti Maheshwari, who's written to us from Delhi, where he's locked in alone, has found an interesting hack to keep his spirits up. Every time a worry for tomorrow knocks on his mind, he finds a piece of paper, writes it down, and then leaves it in a corner. He says he will come back to them when he has more clarity. He'll fix them, for sure, but just not right away. And like Satindra, he too says that we shouldn't lose touch with our people. If we ever feel abandoned by our friends, we shouldn't put them to the test, nor expect them to call us just because we're feeling alone. Instead, we should simply pick up the phone and dial them up. Moving on, our final letter of the day is from Moses Call. Moses is a visual artist and model based out of Delhi. He has been making music and art as a solo artist and with his band Kraken. He is also part of the Indian film and fashion industries and is working on his first short film. Moses' impulses are extremely visual, vivid and design-led, which come through in everything he does. You know, self-hate can be the purest form of narcissism. The obsession with the primacy of self is both a wake-up call and a sedative. It's difficult to criticize something that criticizes itself. You can shudder away responsibilities and confrontations by sedating yourself with it. And the art and entertainment that exists around us helps us blanket it further, giving us the dirty sprite of postmodern irony. Irony can give us the feeling that we are hip, aware and rebelling, but it's just pretense. It's like a soothing balm to our disdain, which we've grown fond of. Someone said that irony is the song of a bird that has come to love its cage. Even though it sings about not liking the cage, it really likes it in there. And this ironic melee has been the thorn at the back of my throat, pinching and piercing every time I swallow. When you're left in a room long enough by yourself, 
you feel the walls are caving in. Little did I know that it was the ceiling for me. Locked inside the comforts of your house, with your favorite TV shows and snacks, while lakhs of people are running helter-skelter for survival, shouldn't be a pain point. But I theorize that it can be a pain point. And the self-aware individual's disdain for endowments and the idea of privilege doesn't make it any easier for the one running back to their family. In fact, I theorize again, it probably makes the entire predicament worse. Let's talk about the ceiling caving in. I park away unanswerable questions so that I can go about my life in a productive manner. But the lockdown had different ideas. Now, I'm not only dealing with those unanswered questions, caught off guard, but also the consequences of neglecting said questions. And so the pontification starts. I'll string together a bunch of sentences in an academic manner, throw in critiques of self, society and privilege, make an alarming statement signifying imminent doom, identify a common enemy, which is a poetic extension of ourselves mostly, and then all of us go back to the same banality, knowing less than we did before, like a Deepak Chopra lecture, but feeling like we did something. But that's such a cop-out. The impending doom and the caving in of ceilings will never do anything to change the status quo. We'll have an ever-revolving door of common enemies, but no way forward. I realize pretty early on that if all I'm doing is wallowing in self-hate of being the center of my world, then I'm reinstating to myself that I'm very much the center of my world. And now I despise myself a little more, and that absolves me of any further action because guilt is God. That guilt paints the entire world in the color of loss. If everything is irredeemable, shouldn't guilt be rendered obsolete in such a scenario? Why am I feeling guilty if nothing is worth saving? But I am feeling guilty, which means there's something that I wish to preserve. The gorgeous Swarovski mural of my guilt's importance comes crumbling down. Maybe I should be a bit more positive. But that would require affirmative action. What kind of action should it be? Well, at this point, I could do anything and it'll be a lot better than self-flagellating. For me, that action is honest human interaction that cuts across class, caste and identity. Now I have art forms and platforms to put across my affirmative action in many ways. I have to figure out how I want to say it. The words are important, but at least I've figured out the message. To help someone means to first help yourself. How are you going to help someone else out of a ditch if you yourself are in quicksand? So, the buck starts with me convincing myself that if I want to better the clunky old ways of a pre-COVID existence, I can make it better if and only if I'm willing to see what I'm trying to preserve is the beauty of human interaction and the subsequent power it has. Now at some point when I started writing this, I thought I'll talk about cafes with loud music. Cafes should not have music playing above a certain decibel. A gig scenario is totally different though. There's absolutely no relation of this with anything else. I just really want cafes to be quieter so that I can feel less like I've got headphones on and more like I can have conversations with someone I've never met. This letter was read by Gaurav Sajjanhar. In his letter, Moses has reflected on his emotions by deep diving into their roots and causes. Through this process, he's questioned his need for attention, the basis of narcissism, the luxuries of privilege and the burden of leveraging this privilege when millions can't even think about it. 
But Moses also categorically speaks of helping ourselves and preserving what we treasure most in these stressful times. For him, it's human interactions. For Tulika, who's written to us from Noida, it's the chance to see clear skies from the window of her room. She sees this opportunity as a gift from the lockdown and believes that everything, from the music we listen to and the food we cook, to the books we read and the afternoon naps we grab, everything seems eerily different during the lockdown. And so, she's using this time to heal herself from the pressures of the world. Before moving on to the final segment of the episode, a quick shout out to Udita Chaturvedi, the producer of the show, to Payal Rathor, the audio engineer of the show, to Nishant Nagar for the theme track, and to all the voice artists who helped us lend authenticity to these letters. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe to our podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Letters from the Lockdown. Or drop us your feedback, comments and suggestions at lettersfromthelockdown at gmail.com. And with that, we bring you the featured music of the episode. Today we have for you a foot-tapping ditty from the people over at Skytrip. This Bangalore-based band is known for its dynamic sounds and harmonies inspired by the spirit of pop and pop rock to create memorable grooves, vocal melodies and display artful songwriting in their music. They celebrate the fact that each song narrates a story, portraying various emotions, experiences as well as the delights and pains of life. The band comprises vocalist and guitarist Jovith, keyboardist Vian, lead guitarist Neha, lyricist and drummer Calvin and bass guitarist Puneet. You can check their music out on your preferred platform and follow them on Instagram at SkytripOfficial. Our featured music of the day comes from Skytrip with their track Sorry Doggo. I'm Shagun Trisal. You've been listening to Letters from the Lockdown. My little Labrador's got no funny story It's just a good friend jumping for some glory My little Labrador's got no baby darling He looks out at the window wishing somebody would tongue him No Cooper's not the lab for the masses He's not free-free A hundred kid, he's got no flexibility Oh, didn't I tell you it's been a month since he see me I get really busy with this boring stupid parties Oh, I wanna hold him and stop feeding him strawberries But I got him. Office secretary.